Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us here at the Milk Talk Podcast. I'm Jack Stroman, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Warner Williams, Goey Mbima, and Jessica Corrado-Platt. We all graduated from a private boarding school that was founded by the chocolate mogul, Milton Snavely Hershey, and his wife, Catherine. In this show, we'll be talking with some of the former students, their family members, and loved ones, in addition to former employees, teachers, and administrators who all worked there at some point in time. We'll get to hear their stories in their own words, and it's our hope and wish that you'll hear something in these stories that you can relate to, whether you went to the school or not. Enjoy. You had jams? Jams. I had jams. I had parachute pants. I had Z Cavaricis. <laughs> yeah. I had shell top Adidas. I mixed it all. Had the flavor. Back then, is you know. I'm Mueller, um, class of 1992, and we were in Student Home Iroquois, which back then was a intermediate division, which was fifth through eighth grade student home, uh, and I think we met 1984. 84. August 15th, See, 1984. That's impressive you remember the date. I, I, I That day, uh, you show up, they take you to uh, the central, you know, not central booking, but the central kitchen area. Get You get all your clothes. Clothing fitting. Yeah, clothing fitting. <laughs> you, they give you a big gray bucket and you just feel, you didn't even know. I didn't, I don't think I even processed, I was nine years old. So I don't, and I just drove up with my sister and I from, from Florida. Which is where you're originally yeah, from. Yeah, Fort Lauderdale is okay. where I was born and, and, and grew up. And um, so my mom, I, I think, took a two-day trip to get up there. And uh, that first day, you know, they give you a, a big gray bucket and you go around this warehouse. And I never had a suit jacket before. Uh, three different types of belts. I had these, they look like Vans, house shoes. <laughs> yep. Checkered, they gave me checkered pants for my house clothes I had separate clothes to play in I had separate clothes to wear to church and uh but that night I'll never forget uh you know I, I said goodbye to my mom and I I can't really remember that but I remember going to Hershey Park mm. the entire student home going to Hershey Park and I thought I was I mean this was heaven free Hershey you know? Park for- I got <laughs> I got instantaneous. I don't know how we how many kids we had in Iroquois. 12, 16? Somewhere. I think it was four. I think there were seven rooms with two uh, two beds per room. I just don't remember if we were full at the time. Right. So. Yeah. So it's like I, the, the homesickness. It was like I was still like not, not even processing that. You know, it's uh, going to Hershey Park. Uh, I'd never been, never been to an amusement park in my life. And to go to somewhere like that with all these new kids, new friends and stuff, I thought it was great. Halfway across the country. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I, you were in Fort Lauderdale. You moved up to Hershey. Uh, you graduated in 1992. I know you were in Iroquois. Um, we were in Iroquois together with the maze. Um, and then I was two years older than you. Yes, I think I think you were seventh grade and I was fifth grade when we first met. So when I went up to senior division, you were just telling me I had no idea that they closed our student home and you moved to Dogwood. Right. Yeah. The Mays, uh, I think, retired from house parenting. Mr. May was a big, handy, uh, woodworking type guy. I think he went to work in the school's carpentry shop. Mm. And then Miss May went to work at the central kitchen. The food service. Kitchen. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. Um, with the food truck, the food vans, uh, I forget what we called those mess yeah, meal buses. Meal buses, <laughs> right? How could I forget that? Um, can you tell the people what a meal bus was? Yeah, so a meal yeah, bus. Yeah, so we have a central kitchen, which is 
um, interesting for all of these student homes. You have one place where they kind of make all the food and then they put them in these stainless steel canisters. What do we call those things? Meal buckets or? Warner. <laughs> I just remember brilloing them. Yes. They had to be brilloed. Kettles. Kettles. That's yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you would get like, you know, uh, chicken pot pie or mashed potatoes. Never real mat- potatoes, by no, the way. They instant, were art- okay. instant, instant, art- instant, or you get uh, succotash or some of these things. It would all be cooked centrally. They'd put it in these kettles. They'd stack them four or five high. And then they'd go out on these meal buses. And there's these big white, they look like UPS trucks but they're white right. and they're f- chock full of kettles and they would circle around between 4 30 and 5 and feed the entire school yeah uh and it was it was fascinating you look back on it now and you think about it, it's like it, the logistics of, of doing all that is just incredible you just jump in like it's normal it, it reminded me of uh like the, at a racetrack when a car pulls in and a team jump out and they take the tire off and they fix it and they wipe them. That that's how we would be when the meal bus would come. People would come in and grab the kettles and, and, and all the different stuff and get it in and grab the ice cream and the cookies and then they would take off. It was, yeah. it was pretty trippy. Um, so let's, let's stay in intermediate division. You know, in, in the beginning, well, let me tell a story. How about that? I remember being at Iroquois and you had been there for a little bit. I, I I don't know how long, but I remember it started to snow. And I tell the same story to my daughter all the time. She's like, who are you interviewing? I said, my friend John. You remember me telling you the story about the kid who first saw snow for the very first time? And she <laughs> said, yes, yes, I know who you're talking about, Dad. Do you, do you remember? Yeah, I, well, it had to be that first winter. It was. It had to be. With I the mean, big bay windows. Yes. Yeah, and it was just, yeah, for a kid from Florida, I never never saw snow, never, never like really traveled outside the state as a young kid. You right. know, I had a pretty you know, like all of us had a pretty disruptive, crazy childhood. Yeah. So it's not like I was traveling and going skiing and stuff. Right. Uh, so yeah, seeing that first snow was, uh, pretty true. you know, and then going out and having your first snowball fight, we right. used to build those big forts yeah. in front of the carport there and tunnels and all that stuff. Well, we was, would play all day. I mean, I, I, at the, <laughs> at the, at the risk of sounding like an old man, you know, instead of being in front of your computer, or your laptop or iPad or whatever the kids are doing now, we would literally be out playing all day or running laps do you remember yeah. mr may if we would talk at night and we'd sit there and you'd whisper when the power's off oh did you see that girl today she was super cute and mr, <laughs> mr. may would wear his soft moccasins and walk down the hallway yeah he was ninja room and he'd say that's 20 baby <laughs> <laughs> that's but, 30 baby but even even <laughs> even in the winter though we would they we had wrestling mats yep. and we would do i mean we had uh, roddy roddy piper and hulk hogan we were all <laughs> yep <laughs> we were and then we go downstairs and reenactment, you know, yep. super fly snooker, you know, do that stuff downstairs for hours. Yeah. Like Sunday afternoons, just down there uh, messing around in the basement. So there was never a dull moment with all those, with all those kids running around. Who, let me ask you, are you still in contact with any Milts? Who, who would you say was your best friend or best friends or your clique? Or? Um, I, I, think, <coughs> I think some of the, uh, the, some of the classmates like David Mosier, mm, I'm still in David, touch yeah. with. He's, He's doing real well, lives down in Tampa in the insurance business, got a wife and a couple kids. Uh, Eileen Martin. Eileen just moved back know, into there. Just right? moved back, right? I caught up with her uh, about a week, a couple weeks ago. Awesome. But we, we interact back and forth. Uh, Jason Riggins. Yeah. Now Tache. Yeah. Uh, went back to his original name. Uh, keep in touch with him. 
But yeah, I mean, Facebook is great. You know, it's like, you know, you don't feel as bad not calling people as much because you always seem to be like, you know, just a click away. Right, and you're just keep, connected. Yeah, you always stay connected. And milts are like, you could go 10 years and you just walk into a room and it's like instantaneous. You can just pick off where you left off. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, we hadn't talked for years. I, I think I remember running into you maybe once when you were at Penn. Yeah. And then I hadn't talked to you for years. And then our mutual friend Cliff, you guys were in some basketball league over in right. New Jersey. And I get a text from him. He's like, you know John Miller? I'm like, yeah, it's my little brother. He's like, oh, we just played ball together. I'm like, oh, this is crazy. <laughs> this yeah, is Cliff, somehow, somehow I got talked into running the entire uh, basketball program for girls in Cherry Hill. So um, <laughs> All right. they, there was a gentleman who was stepping down. And my daughter just got into the sport as a third grader. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, John, I, my, I'm going, my kid's going to Camden Catholic next year. I need someone to do this. And right. I said, I, I, I don't know. That seems like a pretty big commitment. And they kind of you know, kept nudging me, nudging me. And I finally, uh, he, I decided to take it over. So, and that's where I met Cliff Kareem, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause he's a long time, uh, Cherry Hill, uh, Cherry Hill guys. His son went to Cherry Hill East yeah. and actually almost made an NFL team. I just yeah. heard that the other day. You were talking, I had yeah. no idea. Yeah. Phenomenal athlete, all American at Lafayette. That's awesome. Um, and he's a neighbor of mine and here we are as a, you know, you guys go way back. So yeah. his daughter's in the basketball and, uh, Yes, yeah, six degrees of South Jersey, they it, say. It, it, it really you know. is a small world. I, you know, when I graduated, I moved back home to South Jersey for a little bit, and that he and I worked at the post office together. But, um, you know, I'm talking about after the milk. So after you graduated, Hershey, you wound up going to Penn for undergrad and Rutgers for law school. And I just mentioned that we ran into each other at Penn. Um, how was that experience? Was it an easy transition coming out of the milk? I know. <laughs> Milton Hershey transition in the pen. Well, not not so much. <laughs> it was hard. It was um, yeah. academically. I mean, I did. I had good grades at Milton Hershey. Oh yeah, you but uh, it's good grades at Milton Hershey. It can't really translate. I had no idea what like like sick wealth was. Yeah. And people, I my roommate, he was from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Okay. And he went to a school called Gonzaga Prep. Mm. Right. Real affluent Los Angeles Gonzaga Washington Washington okay and uh he had 16 kids in his graduating class uh at at the school at Penn in the freshman class and you know but that was the 16 kids that you know there's another 10 at Harvard and another you know from and like from in my class it was like extraordinary like I still to this day I tell kids I interview right now for Penn during for, uh, you know, application time. You're still involved. I'm still involved. That's and awesome. I tell, I, I, it's shocking. I, I have absolutely no idea. I think someone made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I, I, we need a, like a, a poor, like lower middle class kid from central PA and I fit the bill. No, you I, know, he's got all five fingers, you know, 10 fingers, 10 toes. But yeah, it's, it's insane the amount, uh, the academics and uh, the, the, dr- the drive that my classmates had. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, it was really eye opening. Cause I think at Milton Hershey, you know, I always kind of, you kind of get by, yeah. you know, it was, it was academic. It was, I wouldn't say it was the same academic rigor. Right. I mean, you couldn't BS your way through it. Yeah. But, uh, at Penn it was, you know, it's no joke. I mean, things were on the bell curve yeah. and, uh, you well, know, so I was doing that. I was trying to be, um, somehow I got talked in a lot of people. I don't talk about this cause when I talk about my athletic, 
you know, at Milton Hershey, I tell people I was the definition of mediocrity. Oh, so was I. <laughs> On my best day, I was average. I was a mediocre soccer player. Yeah. Uh, you know, I finally started a handful of games as a senior, right. but right. I was very avid. I right. spent my two years in the JV. Uh, Got cut from the basketball team. Right, you right. saw my basketball game. Oh, I, mine's is worse than yours. So that's <laughs> you know, so I ended up going to being a swimmer with mm-hmm. you know Coach Lutz over on the swim team. But I got to college, and somehow, some way, um, this coach Ray Del Bianco. Uh, I'm getting my back then. You couldn't register for class online. You had to literally stand in line at the student union building in Houston Hall. And you, oh, psychology. There's one and slot. At, there's up. one slot in. I'm like, good. Well, wow. this guy, this coach, was down there just trolling around for people. Right. And he comes up to me and he goes, "Hey, man, what's your name? What are you doing? What are you doing tomorrow?" Right. He says, "Right outside here, there's a bus. I want three thirty. I want you to get in that bus. It's going to take you down to the boathouse." And I'm like, oh, I was like, a boathouse? I said, I don't got. I don't know. I was like, and uh, I run to my roommate, and he's like, yeah, I ran into that guy, too. I'm going. And I said, well, right, cool. shit, let's go. Right, right. So fast forward, four years later, I rode for University of Penn. I walked on. Down the boathouse uh, road. Walked on the, the lightweight crew. Back then, I was 165 pounds, so right, not right. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I ended, up, I ended up walking on this team. There was all these recruited kids, again, you know, from Phillips Andover and Phillips Exeter and uh, Hotchkiss and all these weird like Af- like schools. They're all rowing right it was forever. Like, it was life for them. Yeah, so I, I ended up doing it. I, I was a novice and then and then ended up you know making the varsity boat and rowing you know going to you know the Charles River to row big races. Head of awesome. Charles going to San Diego to row in a crew classic. So yeah, for somehow some way I I didn't like imagine it, but I became a Division One. You know, athlete and the, awesome. the coach. The coach told me this guy. Uh, I was just fortunate. I mean, he just saw something in me, and he said, "Look, you are rough, ragged. You need. You're a good. You're a decent athlete, but you don't know a goddamn thing about rowing. You right. gotta. We gotta work on this." He goes, "Here's if you want to be awesome. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stay in Philly over the summer, get some shitty job, serving pizza, whatever. Get anything you can. I want you to sleep." At the St. Joe's Boathouse, mm. they don't—they're not going to charge you rent because there's going to be forty odd other people that are doing the same thing you are. I want you to wake up, hit the weights there. I want you to row twice a day, do your shitty job, you know, yeah. drink beer, date girls, and have you know, but dedicate yourself to being. And I did that between my freshman and senior year. And you saw it. And then sophomore year, I showed up at Penn, and it was like. Boom. And I, I peaked. Like I tell people, my sophomore year, I, I, made, I made the varsity boat as a sophomore. But, and then I did, I did a, we, but our crew was the best. And that's where, my, that's where everything peaked. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that Next two years was rough and ragged. And then, you, know, you start getting other interests. And I stuck with the team, but I wasn't, but I was laser focused that summer. And it was all because Coach Ray, who I still keep in contact with. He challenged with, you. Yeah, he, he saw something in me. Uh, and he just, he, he, he said, I want you to try this and it's not going to hurt you. Right. You know, check this out. And, uh, yeah, it was fun. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty, so yeah, after you graduated from Penn, you wound up staying in Philadelphia. Is that correct? Well, uh, not really. Okay. Uh, I, I had to go, you know, we were talking before we started today. I, 
I, I joined uh, ROT, I applied for an ROTC scholarship because right. I didn't have two, two nickels to rub together to go to college. Well, let's stop. So well, let's talk about that. We yeah. were talking about it earlier. Back then, Milton Hershey School only provided a it was, small percentage. And if you carried a B average, yes. is that what it was? Yeah, you had to have a B average, and I think you got $2,000 a year. Which wasn't and much. And you, you had to send in your report card, and it had to be like verified. Right. And, and I don't know. I, I don't recall carrying a B average. <laughs> Somehow the check came anyway, there and I was go. thankful, because I was trying to keep it all together uh, at Penn. But, uh, so yeah, ROTC. So, so ROTC, I applied uh, for a scholarship, and the, the, the bargain was... Uh, you they'll pay for four years of college, mm-hmm. every I mean everything, right. uh, and then you owe them four years of service. So back then, 1992, we just got done. You know the Gulf War, you know Top Gun was you know everything military, you know it was a hundred hour war. You know you go over there, you know beat up Saddam Hussein. Everybody comes home ticker tape parade. Right, right, right. Handful of people got right. hurt. You know military seemed like okay right uh, you and know you, I, you were with the marines i was in the marines okay yeah so again you know talking about people that you that step into your life i was a naval rotc and um a major who was stationed at penn he was an instructor and he's like john what do you what do you buy what do you you're, you're not a navy guy you're a marine you're you're a penn oarsman you're a marine so quit kidding yourself. You're like, okay. You know? And uh, see, so it's, it's the, the Marines were like this subset. There was like eight of us. Okay. And there was probably 80 kids. And Penn ROTC had kids from Temple. Uh, the Navy was based there. So you had Drexel. LaSalle, there was kids from Swarthmore taking St. the Joe's. train in. Okay. So all these kids, those were like 100 kids. But there was like eight of us that were Marines, which right. was an oxymoron. Like, I'm a Marine at Penn. Right. It's like, <laughs> and you had to wear your uniform. I'm a smart grunt. You had to wear your uniform on Thursdays, which was drill day. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of ribbon. you know, a lot of people, you know, anti, there's a lot of anti, you know, military, anti. Right, you got Ivy League school, a lot, a lot of people. Yeah, people, you know, thinking you're a child killer or whatever you're, um, you know, that kind of stuff. So you just dealt with it. And most, a lot of, most of my friends, most people respected my service mm-hmm. and stuff. But uh, yeah, so I did that and I got commissioned. Uh, a couple weeks after graduation as a second lieutenant. Uh, and then I got shipped. To, I went to Quantico. Wow. And Quantico has a thing called the basic school where they take all the new lieutenants. Okay. And it's a six-month course. And based on how you uh, test at that course, it's like a six-month college. A uh, lot of classes, a lot of field time, a lot of physical fitness tests. They're kind of seeing what kind of person you are. Mm-hmm. And then they, they decide pretty much what your specialty is going to be. Got it. They assess so you. And you assess you. And part of it is you you have some say, but they have more say. Yeah, they're like, you have a choice between these this no. one thing. No. <laughs> so, and that, and that was exactly it. I, I went in the military thinking I was going to be a logistician or intelligence guy. Right. I was going to do my four years and then go on in the business or something. What'd you want But, me? well, they, again, they said, you know, you know, you're infantry, you're going in the Marine, you're going to be an infantry officer. And I was like, uh, you know, <laughs> you want to look at that report again? I yeah, don't know so, if you <laughs> no, but I, you know, it, it, it was fun. I, 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 I was drawn to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, doing those things, leading people. I had stamina. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was leadership involved. Uh, I had all those things. So I was drawn to it and I'm glad I did it. I, you know, if I had to, 
you know, if I'm going to spend four years in the Marines, I want to be jumping out of planes. Yeah. I want to be you do it. shooting guns, blowing things up, you know, and thankfully, knock on wood, you know, I, my service, although I did get reactivated briefly in 2003, it was very uh, peaceful. Right. You know, I was stationed all over the world. I lived in Japan for a year. Right. I was on a uh, amphibious ship in okay. the Indian Ocean for six months, That's but awesome. but fortunately it was it was peacetime. Right. A lot of my, my a lot of my friends, uh, you know, were in had been on four and five deployments, who are who are my my peers okay. that are still in. So wait, bring it back. So yeah. when you were pen, weren't you law pre law? Nope. No. What was your major? I was an international relations major. Oh, so yeah. the Marines kind of was a, a natural choice. Yeah, yeah. So how did you make it to Rutgers? You know doing law yeah so i uh served four years in the marines mm-hmm. uh got out of the marines went into marketing mm-hmm. uh, i was a marketing manager out in westchester there was a company uh called vwr international it was scientific distribution okay so i went i i when uh when you're a senior well, i was a captain in the marine corps when i got out they, they have these headhunter like places where they bring all these officers all different branches and i ended up going to chicago to meet all these companies that were looking at hiring, you know, salesmen, entry level marketing, you know, that things that you could go that they're looking for like off like mil, people that had military leadership experience. Mm-hmm. So I met this guy Kevin Leak uh, in Chicago, and he mm-hmm. rep- he worked he was a vice president of marketing at okay. this VWR. You know, they sell science they sell beakers and test tubes and lab material to like pharmaceuticals and mm-hmm. high schools and colleges. I didn't well, know a thing about that industry. And but what was he in compliance or something? What, like no, he was, a, he was a, he was a, a marketing guy. He was just okay. looking out to hire. He wanted some marketing analysts. Okay. Um, so he said, do you know how to do spreadsheets? And I was like, I could figure it out. <laughs> you know? So I ended up, I ended up moving back. I, I was living in California with the Marines. Uh, when I got out, I, I moved back, uh, Let's see. I lived in uh, near Swarthmore, uh, Wallingford is my first house, and uh, yeah, I started working in Westchester. I did that for a couple years, and then decided got the itch uh, and went to law school. And how old are you at this point? Let's see. I got out of the Marines when I was twenty five. Okay. Twenty six, and then did this for two years. So I think I went to law school when I was twenty eight. And did you go? Up in East Rutherford, or did you go in Camden? No, uh, Camden, uh, Rutgers has, uh, it used to have two different law schools. They've since combined them, and now they're known. But it used to be Rutgers-Camden or Rutgers-Newark. New Brunswick never had Ah, uh, the law school. So now it's known, now it's just one law school with like two campuses. But I went to Rutgers-Camden. So so fast forward. Right now, you're an attorney at Mueller, Attorney of Laws. you, right? Well, this is hot off the press. Okay, We're, give us, give I've, us the I've hot been, stuff here. I, well, I, I've, uh, me and a part, I've been uh, working. Uh, I have a partner that I work with, and we're who's an older gentleman, older like gentleman, a big brother to you. Yes, yes. So uh, I've known him for many, many years. What's his name? His name's Bill Flayhoff. Okay. So uh, Bill and I, uh, we're getting ready to roll out uh, a new law firm name and become, although we've, we consider ourselves partners, we've been flying under his name, his yeah. banner. So we're going to be, um, well, he's very Flay- accomplished, right? Yeah. Yeah. Flayhive and Mueller attorneys at law. That's so awesome. that's going to roll out November one. Okay. Uh, so it, it, you're getting it here. Hot, Woo! fresh off the press. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, that's what I'm talking um, about. but yeah, so we're doing all the paperwork, the operating agreements, all that. But, uh, yeah, we've worked well together. Uh, and our practice is, uh, really interesting. We, we do primarily, uh, uh, counseling 
employment counseling and business counseling for small businesses and, you know, solo, like small, small, small outfits. And then we do a lot of work for uh, the state of New Jersey. Okay. Uh, Employment, employment related matters. We do a lot of, a lot of things I can't talk about, investigations. Right. Uh, like the D- Department of Corrections is looking into something going on. Uh, Mueller and Flayhive, you know, come down and uh, interview. Let's do an investigation. Or there's okay. a, an allegation of sexual harassment. Or there's an allegation of uh, abuse or something. Heavy stuff. Yes. So we do a lot of investigations, a lot of litigation. Um, Which leads you and has you in Trenton a lot. Yeah. I mean, our, ba- our home office is out at Lambertville. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, sp- I work a lot out of my home office in Cherry Hill. So let's stop. Yeah. Let's stop. I'm gonna I'm gonna transition right there. Cherry Hill. So that's where you live now. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about your family? Your yes. wife and your yeah. kids. And- uh, yeah. So Melinda's my wife of uh, 15, 14 years. Okay. Uh, we met in law school. Right. She was the smart girl a year ahead <laughs> of me, who I got to borrow all her outlines. Nice. So they. T- that's the way for a guy to succeed is <laughs> you find you find someone an upperclassman. She just happened to be a female and and good looking and all that to, to boot. So. Um, we met in law school and uh, got married, you know, after law school. And, um, and now you so, we, yeah, we moved into uh, Barkley Farms in Cherry Hill. Yep. Um, you know, we bought a, a, you know, a nice little house. We just love the neighborhood. Yeah. Lots of sidewalks, lots of grass. It's a great neighborhood. My, yeah. my brother lives there, as you yeah. know. And Cliff lives uh, right next yeah. in the neighborhood over. Um, Cherry Hill School. And then you have two beautiful children. What are their names? I've got three. Three. I'm sorry. I missed one. You've <laughs> but now busy. that's it. You've been it's, busy. It's officially done. Okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, that's a malpractice suit. <laughs> um, yeah. So I have uh, Greta, who's a sixth grader. Okay. I've got JP. Okay. Uh, John Jr., who's a um, uh, going into third grade. Okay. And then I've got Lulu. Louise is just starting kindergarten. That's awesome. Uh, and so it's it's exciting because Cherry Hill just came up with for full day kindergarten. Right, I heard they, about that. Yeah, so it's a big deal for us because now uh, we got all the kids in the school system. So yeah, uh, you can breathe yeah. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can breathe a little bit. And I know you've been super super active and super involved with your kids' lives and you know coaching and all that stuff. Do you think Milton Hershey School affected you as a parent? And if so, how? Yeah, it's it's interesting because, you know, it's it's a dynamic because we Mil, the one thing I'll say about Milton Hershey, it was looking back on it, it was so to me it was so so safe. Mm, you know, it wasn't I didn't consider it it wasn't a lo, like a super loving place. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't get hugs. No, it was tough love. It was tough, but it was safe. Mm-hmm. And it was I thought it was fun. Mm-hmm. And I it was very rigid though. It was, you know, there's a lot of you know, parenting, you got to have a lot more softness. Mm-hmm. So it's, you have to, I'm a first, and I call, I call, I tell people this, I'm a first generation parent, you know, because I didn't learn. I wasn't really parented by a natural father or mother. Mm-hmm. I mean, my dad abandoned me when I was six right. and I wouldn't say my mother abandoned me, but it was a sense of, you, leave you the know, house at she an early lived, age. It's you know, at nine, she basically had said and it was the greatest decision yeah. that she ever made. Yeah. Um, but she gave the parenting responsibilities to someone else yeah. who these house parents had to manage 12, 14, 16 other people. So there wasn't hugs and kisses and high fives going around. It was run like a, you know, like a military, like I, a platoon. You're going to hear this a couple of times, but I often compare it to being in the military. Yes. 
being incarcerated <laughs> in college wrapped in one because yes. you're going away, you're leaving the house, you're getting stuck with people that you've never met before. You have to make, you have to figure it out. Yeah, you know, all of these things you have no control over, and you either adapt or you die. Right, pretty much, you you, you don't make it. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, but with with parenting though, it's interesting because the things with chores, mm-hmm. you know, these there's very important lessons. But you got new kids and the new, you know, things change. The times change, so you got to kind of back away. And my wife grew up in a very completely stable, right. completely stable. You know, her parents are fantastic. They're always they're involved mm-hmm. uh, in everything that we do. So um, yeah, I think the the biggest thing for me is I wanted my kids never. Like, I felt like I was always on the move as a kid. I was in nine different elementary schools. It's crazy. Before I came to the mill. And then I get to the mill, and there was a little, a little more stability, but then I just get to know the maze at Iroquois. Mm-hmm. And then they say, hey, guess what? We're going to take another, t- it's another rip, you know. Yeah, we're going to They were good the people. We're going to send you to the dogwood with the Miserics, who are also fantastic. But it was like, that was very upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you go to another student home. So it's like it was, you're constantly moving. And for me, it was, you know, it it creates, you know, uncertainty, you know, anxiety. Absolutely. Things that you still try to cope with. And I was like, I want my kids stability at all costs. I want you to go, I want you to live in the same house as best as we can do it for the entire time. I'm not going to take jobs. I've been offered jobs. I, you know, I'm not going to move. I'm not going to uplift. I mean, our community and our family. Uh, and that's what Milton Hershey, I mean, even though we move different homes and we go back to homecoming, mm-hmm. it's that community, it means everything. So I think if I take anything is for being safe and dependable mm-hmm. is how I would characterize Milton Hershey. And it's still, although the buildings, it's, you know, a couple new buildings down there, but the core, the feeling is still the same. When you get off of the turnpike, and you smell cow shit and chocolate. <laughs> and chocolate. In chocolate. It kicks in really quick. There, yes. There's, there's a nostalgia. I, you know, I'm, yes. Like we were just talking about homecoming was last weekend. And yeah. it was, you know, it doesn't matter how many times I go up. Every time I hit the, the town limits or the city limits, so to speak, it, you feel like you're home. And I think as I get older, I feel it even more that 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 feeling of home, uh, you know, and it. Something special about it. There's yes. something very special about it. And, I, you know, I know it affected me as a parent. Um, I could never send my daughter to a school, you know, because I, I want to be there. Yes. It's a, it's a different scenario. It's a different situation. Yeah, and that's... And I just yeah, see it like, affected a lot of people differently. Yeah, like, so, you know, kids sending their kids, you know, I, we have, you know, a lot of people send their kids away all summer mm-hmm. for camps and stuff. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Yeah, no, I'm <laughs> Like, I just, I can't, I, I couldn't... Uh, be away from... I, I'm, I'm the and same And it's way. like the same thing, because I... You know, it's almost like you internalize the homesickness, mm-hmm. you know, that we all felt, you know, in different degrees and at different ages. You know, it's like I, I would it would be like inflicting pain, even though they, they might be older and be ready for it right. more so than me. Um, yeah. Maybe when they're older. Maybe. I, yeah. Maybe. But I, it's selfish. I want them. That's the joy. Of my, they're the joy of my day, the joy of my life. So it's like I, I wouldn't want to not wake up or not come home from work and not be able to see my kids. And not be around them. Yeah. Um, Let's take a break. We're back. We're here with John Mueller. For those of you who don't know, class of 92. It's funny because I always think of John as a class of 91. Um, And we are at the Milk Podcast talking to former Milton Hershey students and 
people who were involved with Milton Hershey School and we're talking about their experiences and what they're doing now. Um, so, John, one of the last things I wanted to talk to you about is um, you recently had a loss. I'm, I'm very sorry. Uh, your, your little sister who was actually a Milt. And I just wanted to talk to you about how that affected you. But more importantly, um, I know you told me a lot of Milts rallied around you and, and you really appreciated that. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about? Yeah, Kathy, uh, Kathy uh, left us on uh, August 14th uh, this year. Um, and we, we could do a whole podcast about depression, yep. addiction, uh, mental health. Um, but she, she wanted to find peace. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've been very open about it because, you, um, you know, she, she walked, drove up to the top of a six floor parking garage in downtown Frederick, Maryland and, and took her own life. Um, we all had, uh, Kathy had very strained relationships with her family and a lot of her friends, but we all, we all knew that down deep, down there, um, against, uh, you know, beneath all that turmoil, um, was a, a loving, caring, sweet, super uh, special person. Um, Kathy's best years, her, her, she was diagnosed with bipolar manic depression in her early 20s. So for Milton Hershey, um, it was her best years. Right. You know, she right. was a very popular, beautiful, talented, I mean, diving on the dive team playing field hockey, doing all these things, singing, piano, like just, it was, you look back on it. She was like, you know, if you look at the popularity of John Mueller, Mm -hmm. you know, I was known as the book, you know, nerdy book guy, (laughs) you know, and Kathy was, you know, she was, you know, Marilyn Monroe, you know, she was, she had the full package. Everybody wanted to be around her. She was the life of the party. Um, And so, and people remember, you know, I, I'm, I can't erase the last 20 years of Kathy's struggles in, as an adult, but I remember her uh, as uh, as a, a dynamic, as a, a young woman at Milton Hershey, uh, just kicking it out of the park. Mm-hmm. And um, everybody, it was a shock and a blow to the collective Milton Hershey family and her classmates, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's like everything else. We all go off in our separate lives and we're doing other things and we're brought back to our high school and middle school years. And you remember this girl. uh, And it just, it kind of reminds you, I think the biggest thing is it reminds you of your own mortality to like to lose someone in your own class. And I've unfortunately lost a few, you know, a few members of my own class uh, Bobby Nichols. I remember Bobby Nichols. Yeah. yeah. I didn't you know, know he passed. And, uh, you know, uh, Dave Pepka recently. That's right, Dave Pepka. You know, so it. it's like when you get, when one year, and, you know, I'm, I'm 40, going to be 45. Yeah. You know, it's like when classmates go, it's just too soon. Yeah. Uh, and when your sister goes, your kid's sister, it's just, uh, you know, so the uh, friend, people have been fantastic. Uh, lots of personal, I mean, uh, just the, you know, you're dealing with your own feelings when you lose some, when you yeah. lose someone suddenly. Uh, but then you also it, the, the 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 pressure of having to respond right. and do it in a way that's yeah. respectful, uh, that honors her her life, right. and also give people, you know, people 
you they owe some you owe them you owe them something they want to they want a piece of kathy and i feel like i need to you know honor this is what kathy would want um so it's it's, it's been taxing <laughs> I, I can I, only imagine how you know to process something like that i know we yeah. talked about just dealing with your immediate family yes and and and, and you know how that played out and you know, getting back to all the the milts on Facebook or people who have reached out to you, and you know, uh, taking time for yourself to yep. process the whole thing. Um, I just know as a Milton and your bigger brother, you know, I've reached out to you. I got nothing but love for you, and you know, I'm always here. Oh yeah, sure. You know, I, I think uh, a lot of Kathy's friends are the same. Same. I know Eileen mm-hmm. was very concerned about you and reached out. And yeah. you know, it's just. Uh, <sighs> Hopefully there's some comfort there knowing that you're not by yourself. Yeah. And, you know, I got, you know, my my wife before she decided to go uh, be uh, uh, go to law school. She she's a she was a counselor. She got a counseling, you know, so she's you know, she's my best friend. um, And she's been there, um, you know, every step Mm -hmm. talking through this. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's literally when you get that phone call, I, I happen to be up. In, on we were taking our summer vacation. Right, you were telling yeah, me. Yeah, I was on, on a, I was literally sitting on the, the edge of a lake in front of a fire pit when I get a call and this call kept coming and there was a voicemail from a detective in Frederick saying, "Hey, I really need to speak to you." And, right. and I received over the course of Kathy's right. life probably <laughs> 50 similar calls whether it's from the Miami Metro Dade Police Force, the New Jersey State Police, uh, there, you know, there's been calls. So it's for me, it was just another call concerning my sister. And right. uh, what, what did she get herself into now? And I'm on right. vacation. So, right. you like it at, wait. yeah. So, but the, the tone of his message and then right. receiving that news over the phone, um, I, I can't you know, my that. family was right there. I mean, we're literally just got done, mar- you know, uh, roasting marshmallows. Yeah, I, I mean, say- you couldn't pick a more, you know. Uh, you know, there's never an appropriate place, right. but the the basket of you know somewhere for me to fall back on was just waiting for me. I mean, we right. cried, and we hugged, right. and 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 my kids can't. My 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 daughter's sixth grade. She she's kind of understanding, but my two they don't understand what just like here we are laughing one minute, and, and then, then all of a sudden mom and dad are like in tears, it, right. like you know where's the next bottle of wine? You know, it's like I, they just they couldn't process. Uh, and like we had plans the next day and I told like I forget what we had on, on our schedule some fun vacation thing and I said you know what I need Greta I want to go we did a bike uh, bike ride did, a, a bike ride 18 miles Greta and I you know slow we didn't it's not like we were racing it or anything but I said I just want to be in the woods I want to be away from I don't want my damn phone because it's starting to ring you know you know, you got to deal up. with all that. Yeah. I said, I got, I got to process this. I just want to be in the woods with my daughter, uh, and uh, ride along the Lehigh River, um, and uh, that was very therapeutic. I mean, that sure. was uh, really nice because, uh, you know, how do, you, how do you talk? How do you talk to a sixth grade that their aunt just did this? And we're, and you know, we don't mince words. It wasn't. You know, yeah, my wife and I point. are like, we're not going to like hide this from them. We need to be, we're very upfront and right. open about everything. Not right. only, you know, about, you know, sexuality, about addiction, drug use, it vulgarity. It does them a disservice when you're not. So we're, our, our parenting style is to be very open. Mm-hmm. And so we're not going to sit there and say, Kathy went away on a vacation or 
a trip or right. or you know no here's what happened right you know the police officer called and said that she drove up to the top of this parking garage and they watched videotape there was you know the we, you have a million questions when yeah. you get this information and you know like no he said this is what happened we have video she literally drove up there opened the car door stepped up there was no hesitation it's not like she was up there having a cigarette and like lost her balance or something it was you know but you did the most important thing and that was connect to your daughter yeah and be there for her and 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 tell her how much you love her yeah and relay that love and i mean i think that's all you can do at that point. yeah and we we continue to talk about it it's uh you know kathy was kind of this mythical person she was the she, super she would fly in and, like right. a valkyrie every couple years and my my kids would be like who is that Right. Who is that crazy person? Right. She have her vape pen. Right. She'd be vaping. Right. There's like this right. vanilla scented patchouli smell lingering my house. There would be, you know, bottles of, you know, she yeah. would yeah. she would like take bottles of wine herself up to her room in the guest room, and they would be hanging out. She was like, so she was kind of this mythical character, larger than life, always a, bun- a ton of fun, and uh, so yeah, we're processing it still, yeah. this loss, and. Um, yeah, but the melts have been great, and uh, I know a lot of people are hurting yeah. about this, and uh, we're going to continue to hurt, and you know, in time, hopefully, uh, you know, we heal. Well, we love you, um, and we're here, and we're really happy that you came out and shared with us today. Uh, it means a lot to us. You're our first. <laughs> You're our first, brother, so. It's, it's an honor. Yeah, man, we're starting off on the right foot, and uh, we'd love to have you back maybe down the road. It'd be nice to have you. And there's a lot of melts out there. There's a lot of melts. <laughs> Hopefully, we can get everybody. And there's a lot of good stories out there. So don't, you know, just don't, don't, don't come back for me. I think I've I've spent up all all the all the material that I have in here is uh, has been uh, been spent today. So well, you know, though he just came in, Warner's here, Justin's here. I, down the road, I think eventually we'd like to have it where it's kind of a studio audience, and it'd be nice to have some other milts, you know, collective energy. Yes. So, you know, maybe down the road we'll get to that. We'll bring you in with your crew. All right, good. Yeah. Be good. All right, thanks for coming. John Mueller, class of 1992.